This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners just like you. If you have the means and you'd like to contribute, click on the link in the show description to go to my supporter page. Once you're there, it's completely up to you how much you'd like to give. There's no minimum and no maximum and no ongoing charges. Enjoy this episode and thanks for listening to The Saturday Quiz. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of The Saturday Quiz. I'm your host, John Leary, and on this podcast, I ask the 10 questions from the quiz in the Saturday paper, and a different pair of guests each week try to come up with the correct answers. One of today's guests was on the show only a few weeks ago, and I don't normally have repeat appearances so soon, but when he told me that he was coming back to Melbourne for the Comedy Festival and who he was appearing with, I jumped at the chance, because quite frankly, I have been a fan of my other guest for as long as I can remember. Among other things, he was one of the members of the comedy trio, which was my first experience of live comedy. Welcome to the show, Glenn Morehouse and Paul McDermott. Thank you, John. Thanks for having us. So nice to have you both on the show. So nice to have you back, Glenn, and you on your first time, Paul. And you're coming down to Melbourne to do your show, Blood Orange. Is that correct? That is correct. We're going to be uh, in Melbourne on the 12th, 13th, 14th of April at the beautiful Brunswick Ballroom. Uh, Excellent. Doors open at 6, show starts at 7. Brilliant. I had a look. It looks like Wednesday is already sold out. Well, we want every night to be sold out, John. It's no good to have one night sold out. No, you need the uh, people need to start booking tickets for the other two nights. Yeah, they have to book tickets for the other two nights. <laughs> and and if you're going yeah. on Wednesday, you can also go on the Thursday. There's nothing stopping you going the Thursday and Friday either. Well, the the show's still evolving uh, currently, so it's uh, yes. in a process of change. I think it's it's wriggling out of its old snake skin that. Uh, hardened up in Adelaide and will be a nice fresh show by the time we get to Melbourne. Um, but still things are falling into place. And because of international politics and local politics, a lot of the issues at the moment are shifting around. Yeah, brilliant. Because describe the show a little bit. Um, what happens in the show? Well, it's called Blood Orange and that's it. <laughs> okay. That should be all the... You can piece it together. It's like a... <laughs> It's like a cryptic puzzle of a Fill cross. in the blanks with whatever you like. <laughs> Excellent. Anytime you want to chime in there, Glenn, just, just chime uh, in. Paul, no, you're, you're taking it. Yeah, Otherwise I'll, I'll carry the burden again. Will I? Oh, yeah, right. Finally I'm letting you talk. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Glenn, you're referred to as the plus one I in am. the... In the show's uh, promotional <laughs> material, yeah, I'm the plus one. It's the uh, I love the anonymity. I think I mentioned that last time I was on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I really enjoy that aspect of it. It's a lot of fun. It's very playful, as Paul said. It's always evolving, and that's kind of the fun. Yeah, brilliant. Now on this podcast, I I actually forgot to do this last time that you were on, Glenn. Yeah. I've been asking my guests if they have a favourite 
piece of trivia. Do either of you have a favourite piece of trivia? Glenn, I reckon you've got one ready. I've, I've got one ready and it's not perfect, but it, 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 it will get people thinking. Um, and that yes. is that the echidna has like four, four penises. And they four all penises. So four penis like it's like a four headed penis and it it, it 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 inserts itself. But what's amazing is that only I think it's only only two penises at one time, two penis heads at one time actually function. So four go in but only two happen. I mean that that is impressive. Uh, Alone that that two that it's got two penises Phenomenal. that are working. To have another two just standing by is just yeah. in case. Just in case. I mean, I've only got the one. So, ah, <laughs> oh, poor you. It does make me wonder about the about the scientific um, background for intelligent design, though. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. First thought that comes to mind is whether the Christians are on the right track there with uh, with God making everything. If he's made this this. Does it, maybe he just had a surplus and just uh, decided to, you know, whack him, whack him on a kidneys. Maybe God was, was getting into the psilocybin or something. Maybe he was hitting up the <laughs> magic mushrooms. I'll just try these. I'll just try yeah, these. Yeah, see, see what happens after this. Hey, hey, Lucifer, how many cocks have I got on this thing? <laughs> uh, what about you, Paul? Do you have a favourite piece of trivia? I reject trivia. You reject it. I do. <laughs> well, this is going to make this podcast quite interesting. <laughs> trivia and small talk. Only discuss the big issues. I thought that's what podcasts were, right? Podcasts about important things. Yeah, and unsolved murders. Yeah, important things and unsolved murders in a, in a yeah. comical, lighthearted well, sure. fashion. All right. Well, you are going to love uh, this <laughs> quiz because there's all it is is big issues. Or good, actually, not at all. Um, all right, well, let's get in. Let's crack into the questions proper. Here we go. Question number one. As well as mozzarella and tomatoes, what is the other main ingredient of a caprese salad? Bread. No, not bread. <laughs> um, not ca- bread. Peas. Uh, <laughs> Green you... peas. Is this my question, by the way? Well, you both collectively come up with the answer. So it's not a competition. I want you to... Oh, we're working together, are we? Oh, trust me. I reckon we're working against each other here. I can feel it. (laughs) Um, Is it olives? It's not olives. It is green. Don't don't help us here, John. Resemble... No, that's my job. It does resemble the... uh, the three colours of the Italian flag. <laughs> Is it a frog? Is it a frog? Is it a... <laughs> um, you're very unhelpful, well, Paul. Well, this is so funny. I thought this one was a gimme. I was like, oh. Breezy salad. We'll start very softly. Mozzarella, tomatoes, a little olive oil and, you know, salt. Yeah. Spinach, and lettuce, spinach. It is a leaf. Basil. Basil is the correct answer. It's a basil. Ma- it's a margar- it's a margarita pizza. It's, yeah, essentially, it's a margarita pizza. But when it's a salad, it's uh, ca- a it's called a caprese, and the salad is named after the island of Capri, where it is believed to have originated. Well, I knew that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I knew that. If you'd asked us that, would have had your answer straight away. Uh, Why didn't? Okay. Why didn't they call the yes. pizza the Caprice? Caprice. 
Because I know it's named after Queen Marguerite, but... Because uh, because they were nowhere near the island of Capri when they, <laughs> um, when they made it up. That's a, a Naples thing, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's completely valid, John. I'll accept that answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number two: The word murine relates to which types of animals? Murine. Murine. Mu- yeah, murine. Is, is it? It's something to do with water. Like a no, not at all. No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> in the, in the, <laughs> aren't there right? In the same way that you know, bovine relates to cows. Gotcha. Uh, vulpine is what's that? Wolves. Yeah. No, that's lupine. Sounds Vul, like it. Vulpine is foxes. Lupine, yeah. yeah. Lupine is. Wolves. So what is murine? Ovine is sheep. Over. That's correct. Fish. In, no, <laughs> not fish. <laughs> you sure. <laughs> Pretty that sure does fish. relate to water. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a clue. Yeah. It's, it's a mammal and it's one of the largest kind of subfamilies in terms of uh, species richness in relation to other mammals. It's, it's massive. Put simply, there are billions of these things. And it's a ma- and mammal. Mm, it's a mammal. And there are billions of them? There's billions of them, and they're on every continent except for Antarctica. I mean, it might sound silly, but are we thinking like a cat or dog or or, or uh, what's? I think we've got to go thoughts? smaller than that. We've got to termites and ants and some. <laughs> but as you mammals, do have to go <laughs> small, smaller than a than a cat and a dog, bigger than ants. <laughs> And <laughs> that, that's a pretty big range. <laughs> that is uh, sure. Is it some sort of rodent? It is some sort of rodent. Is it your? Is it your rat? Or it's your rat and your the, yeah. your old world rats and mice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there you go. Murine. Uh, murine re- refers to rats and mice so of the, the subfamily Murinae in the family Muridae. So yeah. Which comprises at least 519 species, making it one of the largest families in terms of species richness in relation to other mammals. That's massive. Yeah, it's huge. There's there's more of them than there are of us. So yeah, it's yeah. more of everything than there are of us. <laughs> well, sure. That, that is, <laughs> apart from uh, polar polar bears, <laughs> koalas. Yeah, apart from the things we've managed to kill, but, uh, <laughs> you know. There's a lot of other things on the planet. Has this show been working for you, John? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I think it's a pretty direct question. You've been asking us questions. Has this show been working? Has it been working for you? No, as a a concept, as a form, have you. (laughs) Is it working for you in any fashion? It is working for me. I'm in my fourth season and I've, you know, had um, over half a million downloads. So, you know. Oh, okay. For a, for an independent podcast, I'm I'm doing fairly well. Have you got some notes? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> always, Just firing back notes. questions. Yeah. I'll, I'll take them. Okay. I'll take them for sure. Okay, we'll wait till we'll wait till the, we're through the rough yeah, part. Yeah, wait till. <laughs> Question number three: True or false? Nice, easy one for True. you. True. Marrakesh <laughs> is the capital city of Morocco. Oh, I should know this. Have either of you been to Morocco? No, I've always wanted to go to Morocco. Yeah, same. But I've not been there. Glenn, you've not been? 
I've not been. I've, I've always... never been anywhere in Africa, actually. I've always thought that the top of Africa there is just a fascinating place. Mm. But Marrakesh. So true or false, Marrakesh. If you wanted to go to the capital of city of Morocco, would oh. you go to Marrakesh? I'll say yes. I'll say true. What are you going to say, Paul? Um, I'll jump on that as well. No, go the other way. Uh, I'm going the other way. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, John, it's I'm going to go the other it's way. It's not <laughs> the capital. <laughs> Too late. It's not the capital. Do you know? Here we go. Do you know what the capital is? Well, clearly uh, not. <laughs> no, Morocco. Mo- uh, Morocco. It's interesting. Morocco gets its name from Marrakesh. And it used to be, it's one of the four historical capitals. Yeah. Um, it's the fifth largest city in the kingdom of Morocco and one of the four imperial cities, which are the four historical capitals. So Fez, Meknes, Marrakesh and Rabat were all the former capitals. Yeah. But the capital now is Rabat. Oh. Yeah. I would not have got that. Would not have got that. I could have gone with Fez. Yeah. And the, 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 four, the largest city in Morocco is Casablanca. Yeah. yeah. I knew that wasn't the capital, but I've, I mean, right. I, I must admit I'm a, I love that film. <laughs> I just I love that <laughs> film. I still think it's one of the greatest things ever made. So, yeah, <laughs> but, I, sure. but I know it's not the capital. So <laughs> That's part of the famous line, isn't it, the, at the end of the, end of the film? Um, oh, yeah, this isn't this isn't this the isn't capital, by the way. <laughs> by the way, this is <laughs> get on the plane. It used to be Fez, Rabat, Marrakesh. <laughs> come, on, exactly. come on, sweetie, jump on the plane. This is the beginning of a beautiful quiz. <laughs> yeah. All right, question number four. According to an Australian advertisement of the 1970s, Australians love football, meat pies, Kangaroos and what? Holden cars. Very well done. Do you know? Do you know this song? Do you know this jingle? I'd, I, yes. I, 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 go, Paul. How's it going? Go, Paul. What? I'm I'm some sort of fucking monkey now that you can just demand <laughs> to sing jingles from the 1970s. Yes, please. Yeah. Well, you're the oh. only one that lived there. Meat pies, football meat pies, Holden cars. Meat pies, football, oh, holding cars up there, Kazali. That I think that was about it, wasn't it? I mean, it was. Uh, it's actually meat the, the pies, funny thing is, holding I'll, cars. I, I will see if I can play it for you. It's this one. Football, meat pies. Australia, what's your favourite sport? Football, <laughs> snack, pies, animal, kangaroos. And what's your favourite car, Australia? Holden. Let me see. That's football, meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars, huh? Right. Well, you sure sound like Australia to me. Yeah. Well, then you better tell me again, because I just might forget. We love football, meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. Football, meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. That's football, meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. Football and meat pies, kangaroos, and holding cars. I think you better tell nah, me again. that's not there it. There we go. That's not it. That's not the one I remember. Oh, that's not the one you remember. <laughs> no. No. Mine didn't oh. have mine didn't have all the harmonies in it. Oh, mine was just okay. football, meat pies, kangaroos, holding cars. Football, meat pies, kangaroos, holding cars. Well, maybe that's just well, my family singing it. 
Maybe <laughs> just sitting sitting around the, the dinner table or around oh, the piano. You had a dinner table, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, Paul grew up in was, Canberra. <laughs> Canberra. Oh, yeah, that's small town Canberra. Out of suburbs. The jingle was originally written by American jingle writer, singer and songwriter Ed Lebunsky for a campaign in the US which touted baseball, hot dogs, apple pie and Chevrolet. Right. Yeah, and they just they just lifted it for the Australian one. I'm just going to play you a very quick bit of share of baseball hot dogs and apple pie. And what do you love best? Baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. What was that again? We love baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. That's baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, huh? I've got to wow. say that American jingle's got a real, it's got a real pop to it. I quite like it. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, uh, a little bit swifter, and yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'm, I think I missed what what was it advertising here in Australia? Holden. Is that that was it? Yeah, yeah. It was a, an ad for Holden. So, right. Sorry, that's the and, bit I missed. And likewise, that was a, an ad. For, uh, Chevrolet. for Chevrolet in the United States. So meat pie, kangaroos, and football got a free plug. <laughs> exactly. Right. And at the end of the ad, actually, it says, you know, this ad was, uh, in case you didn't know, this ad was uh, brought to you by football, meat pies, kangaroos, and Australia's favourite car. Hold on. Um, and voiced by one of the best-known media voices in Australia, Ken Sparks, ah, who was the voice of Channel Nine for many, many years in the kind of seventies and eighties. Now it's just now it's just bloated asshole, isn't it? <laughs> well, voice your, of Channel Nine. It's not mine. Bloated conservative <laughs> asshole, uh, generally. <laughs> Absolutely. The tenor of Absolutely. the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well done. <laughs> You got you got there very quickly with that one. All right, question number five. It, it's taken a dark turn. I'm I'm afraid to say. Question number five. Where a mass shooting is defined as an incident where four or more people are shot, not including the shooter. About how many mass shootings have occurred in the United States so far this year? This is a multiple choice. Okay. Great. Do you want to? Do you want to have a guess before you get the the options? I, I, I think I know the well, I know the approximate answer, but please, let's go. Multiple choice. All right. Here are the multiple choices. Is it A, 135, B, 100, C, 75, or D, 40? And today, well, Saturday, when this podcast will come out, is the 98th day of the year. I, it's A. It's A, 135? Yep. I'll go with that as well. I, th- I thought they were rack- ratcheting up one a day, basically. Yes, well, they're, yeah, they're, I over, believe one a day. they're over one yeah. a day. Yeah. 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 It is, you are correct, 135 yeah. mass. I was thinking the figure was closer to 200 for some reason. I don't know where I read that, but I thought it was closer to 200. Yeah, yeah right. Maybe if the, you know, on the sliding scale of what, what makes a mass shooting a mass shooting, that mm-hmm. might... Well, maybe by the weekend when you actually put this out, we'll have cracked exactly. that. Exactly. Let's hope not, but yeah. uh, you, you may be right. That's an, outs- that's an a horrific figure. 
That's it. Really is. It's yeah. I, I don't it's, know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know how they go through every day living like that. Well, how, how do you, as a, a parent, deal with the idea that you send your child off in the morning mm. and you have no idea whether they're going to make it back to your home yeah. at night? And that must be for almost everyone in America because these these mass shootings happen all over the states. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. it's it would just I just don't know how you would cope with that as a parent. And then if you have that horror enter your life, mm. then to hear lawmakers and, and and generally Republicans telling you that there's nothing they can do about it, they send their mm. thoughts and prayers, the hollowness of all their of all their responses would just be horrendous. And considering the Nashville shooting just happened a few, you know, days ago. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the footage of that fellow getting thrown out of um, a courtroom in the in the US whose son had been killed at um, at a previous mass shooting. But because he started telling off the the lawmakers, he was removed from the, the courthouse and um, he was wow. on his on his face on the ground with his hands behind his back as his his wife, the mother of the child that was killed, was um, beside him. I just it's the entire system is just absolutely broken and and corrupt mm. if um the nra the national rifle association can control people's hearts and minds to that degree and when you realize that the actual gun owners they're talking about and the people that they're they're selling these weapons to are actually a a very small fraction of the population it's yeah. almost like the entire country is held to ransom by this absolutely by this small group of um of gun owners yeah who yeah. have uh, intentionally misinterpreted yeah. The Second Amendment, and I don't. I it baffles me why the Second Amendment has such a stranglehold on the nation and and on the the political bodies. It certainly feels like it's it's something ingrained in their psyche that's uh, like you said, it has a hold on them. They can't see mm. what's obviously happening in front of their own eyes. Yeah. Very tragic. Uh, but, Very tragic. But don't we also think that perhaps? I mean, the fact that we know aspects of the Second Amendment, like well-regulated militia and mm. so on. Is an indicator because I don't know anyone else's constitution in the entire world, but this is something that constantly comes up. Yeah, and I can't help but think that the National Rifle Association has been been basically planting the seeds for this for a long, long time. You know, they could see where their money was coming from, and they knew that they had to maintain it. So they they purposely made this yeah uh, an issue, and they've they've aligned the Second Amendment with their core group and their core the core group uh, beliefs of that group. And made it seem like the two are absolutely entwined. Yeah. And that's a real difficult thing to untangle because right. it's been going on for decades and decades and decades. Whereas if mm. you examine the words, there is no way that you could justify the use of um, automatic weapons or um, combat weapons under the Second Amendment. It just doesn't hold up at all for, yeah. for contemporary scrutiny. But for some reason, the people that are advocates for it just choose to ignore that. Yeah. And the cost is is children's lives and the destruction of families. And it's just um, absolutely hypocritical and criminal behaviour, I think, on the part of the, the NRA. Yeah. And aligned politicians, all those uh, politicians that are getting millions and millions of dollars often from the, from the National Rifle Association. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Or um, stick pins, for God's sake. They got stick pins. The day after Nashville, they're all wearing their, their uh, mm. AK-47 stick pins. It's just, yeah. that's, that's scary it's, shit. It's macabre. Yeah. 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 Okay, on that serious note, we're going to take a little break. We will be right back. 
Is that because we were just getting into some sort of real discussion? <laughs> well, I felt I felt like it, it arrived at a. I, th- uh, I thought know. that was yeah, that was a, that was the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, you <laughs> you make those decisions for everyone, then, John. <laughs> well, yes, it's my podcast, so yeah. Oh, here we go. Ownership now. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You're listening to the Saturday Quiz. I'm joined today by Paul McDermott and Glenn Morehouse. We are up to question number six, which is originally yes. built during a hackathon in 2012 by Sean Rad and engineer Joe Munoz, a prototype named Matchbox spawned what online networking application? Oh, my goodness. What I- year was it? <laughs> 2012. 2012. It was called, it used to be called Matchbox, uh, which is a little clue as to what the app is. Match. And calling it a networking application is probably a bit of a stretch. Tinder? Yes. I think, I think I, this might be one of those things where you swipe left or right. Would I be on the path here? Matchbox? Yes. Are we talking you're Tinder? Right on the path. Did you say it, Paul? I said it. Yeah. I, as usual, I'm not listening to you, Paul. I just switched off, so. <laughs> so I said it under my one, breath, though. Which one is it? Well, I was, I'm wondering if it's Tinder. It is Tinder. It, Very yeah. well done. Yeah. And hackathons, I, I was unfamiliar with, with what a hackathon is. Do you, either of you know what a hackathon is? Is it for people with pleurisy? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's yes. what it was before, prior to the internet. That's well, what a hackathon was. My family are well acquainted with that because we all, at birth, we get black, black lung because of working in the mines, in the coal mines for years and years and years. So we all, we all come out coughing. We don't get slapped on the arse and, and no. cry. We just, we just hoik one up, hoik, hoik an old oyster lung up, get on with it, get on with the damn thing. That's what it may have been before 2012, but mm. a ha- the hackathon in 2012 was where a whole bunch of computer <laughs> nerds and geeks and stuff get together and they basically pitch their disruptor service or their app or their whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like a, a kind of shark tank situation where a whole bunch of hackers or computer guys pitch their ideas and then they're and they're awarded prizes for the best one or whatever. And yeah, Matchbox didn't actually do very well at all at this hackathon. Question number seven. This is your sports question. Oh. Which 66-year-old tennis great declared herself cancer-free last month after recently undergoing medical treatment? Boris uh, Becker. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Boom Boom. He's, oh. he's bankrupt, isn't he? Didn't he go to jail? He's in jail. Boom Boom, in, he's in prison for tax evasion or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Lost not him. Switching. Not him. Uh, Navratilova. It yeah. is Navratilova. Very well done. Helen Navratilova. Uh, she. Martina. Bindi. Martina. Bindi. What? Navr- no. What is it? <laughs> Try to get that first name. I know it's something. 
<laughs> Martina Navratilova. Chloe? Uh, do you know what Chloe Nav- kind what? of cancer oh, she has? Um, bad one. I know that. I, no, I don't. I, um. Let me tell you. She noticed an enlarged lymph node on her neck during the Women's Tennis Association finals in Fort Worth, Texas last year, and a biopsy revealed it to be stage one throat cancer. Then, as she was undergoing tests on that, doctors discovered an unrelated breast cancer. So she had two cancers that uh, she was receiving treatment for and and has declared herself cancer-free. Mm. And it's her so second she's bout both. with cancer. In 2010, she announced that she was being treated for breast cancer after a tumour was discovered during a routine mammogram. It was just really, that's a, quite an achievement to, to tackle two different types of cancer and to beat them. That's amazing. Yeah, in the, in the, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Quite I mean, that, that would have taken mm. a serious toll on her body. Wow. That's, I'm sure. Well done to her. Yeah, amazing. That's great. And well done to the doctors and, who, and the scientists who can get us through these things. Indeed. Indeed. Well, we don't know how she actually, did she, did she just go on apple cider vinegar? I've heard that's very popular. But maybe. Well, well done to the naturopath who, who helped her <laughs> yeah. through that as well. Whatever the mm. professional that helped her through. Whatever the, the process was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, question number burning eight. Sage, burning sage, maybe. That's very just good Just wafting it around well. the room. Yeah. yeah, that's very good for cancer, I've heard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are whole industries of people dedicated to fraudulently saying mm. they can cure your illness. Snake and oil, it, uh, I think, is, it isn't the, just for cancer. is the term. Yeah, snake oil sales people globally that are trying to yeah. you know, grift off your sadness and sickness. So who knows? Do you have another question for us or not, John? I do. Here it comes. <laughs> question number eight. From which of his wives was Henry VIII denied a divorce by the Catholic Church? Uh, was it the first one? It was Anne the first Boleyn? one. Was it, was not the first Anne Boleyn. Um, no, because it's divorced, beheaded, yeah, the first one. died. Yes. Yeah. What's divorced, beheaded, survived. Survived. Is the end of that one. Yeah, yeah. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. Is that uh, little rhyme? And the question was which there? Which which wife? Which one was denied by the Catholic Church? So you're correct. It was the first one. It was the first woman. I can't remember her name though now. Ariana Grande. <laughs> that's, that's that's ringing some bell. Camilla Parker. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's not the name I have in front of me. Oh, really? Was it a Mary? <laughs> it wasn't a Mary. She she was the mother of Mary. Was it a Helen? Uh, Helen's going round in my head at the moment. Annabelle. <laughs> Annabelle. This could go on all day. You realise this, John. <laughs> do, you, do you know the wives of Henry VIII? Not, not personally, personally, but... Uh, did you both do that, <laughs> that guy? We've spent far too much time together. <laughs> far too much time together. <laughs> No, I, I, I don't know all their names, no. But I'm hoping there's a, a cheeky little rhyme that can help me learn them. Let, let me tell you this. There are two Annes, three Catherines, and one Jane. Jane so, Seymour. Jane Seymour, it is. Jane Seymour, the, the Bond girl. Dr. Dr. Quinn medicine woman. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have many names to choose from in those days, did no, they? No, they, they were very limited in, with small. their... Their names. <laughs> small sampling of names there. Very small sampling. Say two people called John and Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, right, all right. You and your we, biblical we, names. We, Come on. Uh, what's your middle name, Paul? I bet it's John. Is it John? No. Oh, okay. But if you'd done your research, you would know that, John. 
Well, if you'd done your your research, you'd know the answer to this question. So, what, what do you reckon it is? I mean, you've got a, a 50-50 chance if you go with mm. one of the names. I'm going with I'm Catherine. I'm going Anne. Catherine is the, the right first name. So, which Catherine is it? Is it Catherine Parr, Catherine <laughs> Howard, or Catherine of Aragon? Catherine of Aragon. Is the right answer. Very well done. Catherine of Aragon. Cut out all the rest and just put that bit in where he just says <laughs> <Not> Catherine. <at> <laughs> Catherine yeah. of Aragon was originally married to Henry's older brother, Arthur, but when Arthur died in 1502, a papal dispensation was obtained to enable her to marry Henry when he came to the throne in 1509 at the age of 18 and she was 24. Their daughter, Mary was the only child to survive past infancy. And when it became obvious that a male heir was not going to happen, Henry sought the Pope's approval for an annulment on the grounds that Catherine had first been married to his brother. He used a passage from the Old Testament, Leviticus 20.21, If a man shall take his brother's wife, it is an impurity. He hath uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. But Pope Clement VII, however, denied the annulment, one of the chief reasons being that Catherine's nephew, Emperor Charles V of Spain, had recently become the Holy Roman Emperor and the Pope didn't want to piss him off. So despite the Pope's refusal to annul the marriage, Henry separated from Catherine in 1531 and, of course, severed the ties between the Catholic Church and the Kingdom of England. And that wasn't the last bit of severing he was going to do. Nice. Thank you. Join us after the break to find more about... uh... (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Paul McDermott will be at the (laughs) Brunswick Ball in the comedy style. (laughs) (laughs) I like footy, meat pies, holding cars. (laughs) Are you going to include that in uh, in the gig on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Maybe the football, meat pies, kangaroos and holding cars? No. Well, not so much. No. <laughs> the very, very firm no there. No. No, we don't do parodies. We don't do copies of other people's songs. We don't fucking do jingles, John. <laughs> oh, good. Oof. Wow, that was firm. I'm glad. You would do a jingle, uh, though. Come on, no. Paul. You'd do a jingle no. if the coin no. was right. No, I hate, no? Adverti- I hate advertising. I think it's one of the great evils of the modern oh, world. Do you? Yep. Advertising, okay. Tosh and I've met I've met people in advertising, and they are amongst the most vile people I've ever met. Tell us how you really feel. Oh, you know. So come come to the Brunswick Ballroom. <laughs> All right. Question number nine. I mean, the thing is, they have yes. ads for cars on. It's you're not interested. I don't know why they keep doing it just to keep those products in the front of your mind. Over the course of any day, is there anything they advertise on television? If anyone watches television anymore, because I don't. And it's one of the great joys of never having to sit through a tontine commercial for a pillow that you'll never have or a, a Kleenex ad for a soft nasal experience or toilet paper. I just, I just can't, <laughs> I couldn't stand it. You're a natural at it, though. Is it a soft nasal experience? That's, you know. Yeah, soft nasal experience from the Kleenex tissues. You could have made a killing, Paul. Can we just quickly copyright that? Can we copyright that? Well, there may be a future in it for me. I'm not quite sure. I haven't... If anyone is listening to this that does want this magic voice advertising their product, <laughs> give us a hoy through John there. You get this magic, this fucking magic voice. 
Eat your fucking cereal. Shut the fuck up. Here we go. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, Paul. Maybe you need a, a, a new agent, and I'm happy to be that for you. Well, I certainly haven't had an agent for the last 20 years. So. See, that's why you don't have the fat advertising dollars in, yeah, in yeah. your pocket. Uh, I mean, aside from your social conscience. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Oh, that can be swayed for money. Don't, don't, don't fool yourself, John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, question number nine. In the movie Tar, or Tar, I'm not sure quite how you pronounce it, what is the occupation of the titular character played by Kate Blanchett? I have no idea. I have seen you seen film, this film? I don't know anything about it. No. What, what are you doing there, Paul? This podcast is a uh, is a audio um, medium. I was trying to give a hint to. He's going to think it's. I'm I'm a wizard now. Um, <laughs> Expelliarmus. Uh, I believe that. Leviosa. Uh, Kate is playing a conductor. She absolutely is playing a conductor. Yeah, I haven't seen the film. Have you seen the film, Paul? I have not. No. Oh, so none of us can add very much at all to this to this question. Are we meant to add stuff to the question or is it just the question? Now you're bringing well, another... You know. at, at question number nine, you've brought in a third element to the, <laughs> to the game. I just, I just want consistency, John. Well, you won't get it here. <laughs> I was interested about the accent over the A in the, in the name Tar... Mm. And I found this. This is a quote from Kate, well, our Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I was in Budapest filming. One weekend I went on this sort of second I went to this sort of secondhand place and the word for pharmacy, which I can't pronounce in Hungarian, it has tar in the middle of it with an accent over it. And then Todd Field, the director, liked the accent, so he put it he put the accent on the name. And that's it. So that's it's it. not like yeah. But what does the accent do? Because over in E, that changes it to an A if you're talking about French, but you're Hungarian at the moment, are you? So what, yeah. does, it, so what does it do to the A? Over the, an A, I don't know. Makes oh. it a double A? Ta-ha. Ta-ha. Sounding more Irish at the moment than anything else. Tar. Tar there. Well, they use, they use accents sometimes, oh. don't they? In <laughs> Irish. <laughs> well, they only sound like that because they're Irish. Like, sounds like we've got accents. No, they're them. all putting on an accent. They all got together and decided, let's sound like leprechauns. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you know how Irish Irish uh, or accents work there. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, uh, this is many years ago, and I was touring with yes. the All-Stars at the time uh, through the counties. It was a bit of a disastrous tour, uh, mainly because we were doing a show called God and Satan at the time, and... Um, it had a number of songs in it that were probably not songs that we should have been doing in the very in the very Roman Catholic Republic of Ireland. We were almost chased out of Dublin. But we had one day off um, as we were touring around the counties and we thought we'd go to see a film. Like, I remember Jeremy Irons was in it. I can't remember too much else about it. But it was in an Irish cinema and it's the only cinema I've ever been in where they had a window at the back with the curtains open. And over the course of the film... <laughs> which we saw in the afternoon, the light through that, uh, that window, which was up the, up the top of the venue, just moved around the venue until it came to rest directly on the screen and you couldn't see anything on the screen. And no one thought to stand up and just close the <laughs> curtains. And I was thinking, this, this is insane. It's the first cinema I've ever been in that had natural light in it. 
<laughs> and I tell you what, cinema and natural light don't go together. No. <laughs> well, I learned that that day. It was <laughs> very funny. It was very funny. I didn't want to make any comments about stereotypes regarding the Irish, uh, but I just mm. wanted to mention at that stage that it did seem a bit self-defeating. Unusual, to say the least. Unusual. Yes. Yeah. All right, yeah. we are up to the final question. Question number 10. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Question number 10. Ranking the effectiveness of sunscreen, mm. what does SPF stand for? You look at it just about every day. Never thought about it. Skin Permutation Foundation. Skin Permutation Foundation is incorrect. Oh, really? (laughs) It's uh, It's, creative, but it's not what it is. Does the F stand for factor? The F does stand for factor. Sun protection factor? Is exactly the correct answer. Coming home with the goods. Coming home with the goods in the late stages of the game. <laughs> Finally, we get one. Do you know who? Oh, you won't know this, but can have a guess at the nationality of the chemist who introduced the concept of sun protection factor SPF. Was it an Irish fella? Sun protection. <laughs> he owned a he owned a cinema. <laughs> sun protection factor. Oh yeah, northern. It was northern Irish. Sun protection factor. Sun protection factor. He did what to her? Sun protection factor. <laughs> We can cut all that out because it's... Uh... It no- normally is uh, a family-friendly uh, podcast, but uh, not, not today. Sun protection. The ancient Greeks <laughs> used olive oil, olive oil to protect their skin from the sun and to care for after-sun exposure. And modern testing of olive oil has shown that it has an SPF rating of about eight. Oh, okay. So, but would it, you know... Would, as it is an oil and you normally use it for frying... Wouldn't some effects of that actually happen if you're out in the sun? Wouldn't you cook what? yourself? Because I've watched people lather themselves up in, the, in Mediterranean climes mm. with olive oil and the whole intention of it is to darken their skins. Well, so. well then they're going about it the wrong way because right. it, it, it does actually protect from, uh, from sunburn. Well, it would protect from sunburn, but it would still allow, it would still allow you to... You know, your skin to burn. pigment to darken. <laughs> it does seem like it's doing two distinctly different jobs there. Well, no, because <laughs> but it, it's the the sunburn is is or and tanning is caused by the ultraviolet light. Yeah. Whereas cooking uses direct heat, and they're different things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Paul. We, we, yeah. We understand that, don't we? So you're saying that the no, the, the, clearly not. <laughs> the olive oil is. Uh, is blocking out the yes, it, it sun's has, radiation. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It it has a a small, but not not entirely uh, useless. Well, a factor um, of eight is is yeah, reasonable. A factor of eight is, is pretty good. In 1891, Dr. Hammer of Stuttgart, Germany, was the first to specifically recommend the use of chemical sunscreens to prevent UV radiation, and he used quinine prepared in an ointment as the first human sunscreen but it was a few years later 1946 that swiss chemist franz greiter developed and commercialized the first modern sunscreen known as gletscher creme or glacier cream naming his brand pisbuin in honor of the mountain on which he got his sunburn that inspired him to develop sunscreen. How about that? 
I'm surprised it was a European. He was sort of, you know, European. It's yeah, you know, Swiss I, would have thought, I thought I would have thought it was somewhere with a bit of a better climate, you know, somewhere with a bit of sun, bit more sun. Well, it, you know, the sun can burn in any in any environment. I mean, it's not oh. just. So now you're being scientifically true, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so now you understand that it's the UV, it be, not, a, not exactly the heat. All of a sudden, Paul's trying to play the quiz. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and making your uh, suggestions for how I might make it better in the future. Your show, Blood Orange, which is Paul McDermott plus one, who is Glenn Morehouse, is on Wednesday the 12th, Thursday the 13th, and Friday the 14th of April at 7pm at the Brunswick Ballroom. Thanks, gents. Thanks so much, John. It's been an absolute joy having you on. (laughs) Well, thanks for having us, John. See you next time. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, mate. Happy days. Thanks for listening all the way through this extra-long Easter weekend episode. Thank you to my guests, Paul McDermott and Glenn Morehouse. It seems like a long time ago, but Glenn was entirely correct about the echidna's four-headed penis. As impressive as that is, it's not the most heads on a penis in the animal kingdom. The leatherback turtle goes one better with five. If you're in Melbourne, you can see Paul and Glenn in Blood Orange at the Brunswick Ballroom on the 12th, 13th and 14th of April as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, as well as some of my previous guests from this season, Adam Rosenbachs, Stephen Hall, Gillian Cosgriff, Gabby Bolt, Geraldine Hickey, Lizzie Hu, Chris Ryan and Luke Heggie. Thank you, as always, to the wonderful Cindy MacDonald for writing the questions. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. My name's John Leary, and I'll have more questions for you same time next week. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher.